0: what is happening those of you that partake of the draft and the craft it's Danis jp and it is a rainy wednesday morning in michigan sir are you guys getting any or is it just over here by me
1: oh it's coming down it's coming down real real good this still yeah you're gonna get some of that from me pond. a little while ago i got a pond <laughs> in my backyard
0: yeah yeah, but it's not ideal, and that is uh, this time of year. You know, I love fall. It is by far my favorite time of the year. But you get a few of these days where it's just like, well, it's going to rain for the next several hours, and it might be hard, and it might be a mess. But that's okay because it that's also all right. means it's football. Tomorrow,
1: long. tomorrow, it'll be snowing where I'm at. Well,
0: there you Literally go. Literally, so though, because I'm to going to the too. Upper
1: Peninsula, so
0: right, I'm exactly. Go hang yeah, out so
1: in the middle of nowhere and uh, on a river.
0: And that's kind of well on the river in this weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's going to be entertaining for you. Oh, I don't know that's that we're, we're not going
1: kayaking or anything, but I'm sure. Okay. Be gotcha. On the river doing something stupid.
0: Oh, sure. Fair enough. And you know, Hey, I'm sure the uh, snow coming down on the river is going to be, you know, just absolutely beautiful. So, Let's get in some football before you get in some R&R. And, of course, this is our first show of the week, which means it's our college show, which means we got some dives to do, sir. There are players that we have not weighed in on, and I think uh, we need to start cracking in on some of that. And, again, the way we've been doing it is three three newer dives, if you will, looking at guys we haven't talked about yet, three older ones, guys we have talked about yet. So why don't we start off with ones we have talked about. Jump on in, sir.
1: All right. Well, I... Did all guys that you've done dives on because I needed to do Aha. dives myself for my own personal ranking. So I'm in no particular order here. I'm <laughs> going to start with Malik Neighbors. Okay, I've seen I have seen some of his games, you know, just from watching college football naturally. Right, I've, I've seen him, but I hadn't really done like a, a large dive on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say this that the the first thing that jumped out at me is, you know, how we've talked about how he's a little undersized compared to some of these other wide receivers in the draft yeah like why does it just not seem that way when he's he plays playing? big I, it's not, not even like he like fearful. <laughs> he i don't know it's weird like yeah he plays big at times but it's not like he just goes up and like goes after the ball and gets way up in the air is this deep and you know like red zone like throw a lob threat it's just he just looks bigger than what they say he is could he be like a one of these mysterious cases like Raji uh, ooh, Rice, mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Where he's just a couple, couple inches taller and me. a couple inches,
0: yeah. Yeah. He be, instead of being six foot and one ninety, you know, six two and two ten, maybe two hundred five yeah. or something like that. Something yeah. strange is going
1: on, but anyhow, he's got a huge route tree. Like that's the like I noticed he's got a huge mm-hmm. route tree, guys. He, he can he can run anything out there. Uh, great. great hands, excellent vision. Um, all in all, like he just he just looks like your classic like. I mean, he could. I feel feel like he's got the speed. Where he could take it off the top if he wanted to. Again, the right. huge route tree, but he just looks like your classic, like do it all possession, like wide receiver, mm-hmm. to me. And yeah. he's, he's he's not going to let you down. I I don't know that I could say the size is anything of a weakness because he plays big and he's plenty big. Um, sure, I I don't know. I I guess it's it's interesting to me because. I still think he's probably like number four on my list. And I think it's only because Rude. this wide receiver class is so, so deep and these guys all look really good. But the only problem is, is if they all look equally good and the other ones have the size advantage, right. I'm going to give them the nod. But I, what I'm getting at though is, dude, I'm like nine to 10 wide receivers deep <laughs> in this class that I like mm-hmm. a lot. Like I'm starting to wonder, maybe, maybe it's too early to confirm it, but this is one of the better wide receiver classes I think we've ever done as far right. as and that's what's, just overall depth. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's insane. Well, That's
0: what'll make it interesting. Cause again, we, we talk about this in, in the term of classes and expecting certain guys to come out. Some of these guys might look at that class and be like, I got NIL money coming. I'm going to get two rounds earlier next year if I stay here for another season. Maybe I don't go out and don't go pro right away. It used to be guys wanted to get in the NFL as quick as they could to maximize their earning potential so that they could have a longer career, etc. But now that guys can make six figures plus in college, especially if they're one of the better players, it's going to be interesting to see who chooses to maybe stay because they, they're going to be a third rounder whereas they're going to be maybe a late first rounder next year.
1: Well, I do think Neighbors is gone. Like I say, I can say yeah. Harrison and Adunzi are above him right now for me still. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in play for wide receiver three. Right. I think it's the wide receiver three is between him, Coleman, and Franklin.
0: Well, I think we both expect more than three wide receivers potentially to go in the first round anyways.
1: Oh, man, I think all I think there's at least four, Right. a guaranteed four. There could easily be six or seven that go in the first round.
0: Sure. Well, and that's the fun part about these position groups. There could be six or seven of a couple different groups, and so that's going to make it interesting. There are, there will be players. I, I know you only have like 10 or 12 first-round grades on guys, but there will be second-round players that people expect to go in the first round this year that won't. They're going to oh, yeah. be in the second just because there's there's certain areas where there's a bunch of good players. So, I'm going to keep with the uh, offensive side of the ball and talk about a different receiving guy, and that's Ben Sennett from Kansas State, because we're still trying to figure out as many as we think there are for wide receivers. That's about as few as we think there are for tight ends. I mean, there's Brock Bowers. You love Jatavian Sanders. I feel like he's dipped a bit, but we're not talking about him right now. I'm talking about another big 12 guy. And Senate is another six foot four, two 245-pound guy. So about the size of a tight end that you're expecting. Maybe a tiny bit shorter than you like, a tiny bit lighter than you like. But one of the reasons why I think he has a fit in the NFL, and again, I don't think he's a first-round guy. I think that Brock Bowers is the only first-round tight end that should be drafted in the first and we'll see what happens from there there might be few of the guys to sneak in because of positional needs or because they pop in a uh, tape at a draft workout or whatever but it really feels like it's brock bowers and everybody else but senate is one of those guys the one thing I noticed from the way that he plays, he feels like he has some H back potential where you can move him around a little more. He's not just a straight slot tight end. He's not just a straight blocking tight end. He's a guy you can move around your formation. They were doing uh, tight end screens with this guy, and he'd rumble for about 20 yards afterwards. And so he has that kind of quasi fullbackish type tight end role, which I'm sure you'd appreciate. Uh, the one thing that I can say about him, besides you know the the good hands he's got, I think like he's top 10 in catches this year for tight ends. His blocking stats are up from years previous. He's up around you know the upper 70s when it comes to PFF. So that's a positive thing for a guy that needs to be well-rounded going in. Right exactly. There. The one thing that, I, again, going back to that again, another thing that I find interesting, though, is he is technically a junior. He's a third-year player, so he could be coming back next year just because he might not like his draft grade. He might be trying to improve it next year, uh, not having to deal with Texas and Oklahoma in the in the Big 12 with some other teams that don't necessarily uh, aren't known for their great defenses. So he's a player that if he comes out, I think he's still in that conversation for a top-five tight end. But again, that's going to be a second, third round at best. Uh, and so maybe he comes back again next year and tries to put himself in the conversation for the top two or three, which might get him a first-round grade. Should be an interesting year for that position group because, again, like you said, we don't see a ton of top-end guys there. So where is that going to shake out and how many guys are going to stay because they want to try to get another year?
1: Yeah, and that's, so, that's going to be an interesting game to play from here until the end of time now. Um, right.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, until the NCAA uh, d- does something and they figure something out with NIL deals and turn them into employees and they don't make as so much money, who knows. This is going to be looked back upon, I feel like, as this weird Wild West blip in college football where guys were making crazy money and uh, and there was just no regulation. So I'll be curious to see how that all plays out as well. But that's that's a much different podcast. It, fair. Uh next re-dive here again, it's from another
1: player that's on one of your teams. I did it ah. I, and if, I've talked about him a lot, but I've never done an official dive on Kalen Bullock. I only did like okay. a, a mini dive. I was like, dude, I, I owe it to do this guy a big dive because I feel like number one safety is up for grabs. Right. Um so first thing with Kalen Bullock, I was like, Oh man, this is a this is a long safety. Hmm. It's got some good size. I was like, and then I wrote down in my notes. Naturally, this is why Dan's pounding the table for this guy because he's he likes these anomaly <laughs> like safeties that have the crazy mm. size. Um, he's less he, so
0: the anomaly, but he's still up there.
1: You know what else I wrote after that? Hmm. Why when I watch this guy do I I see I and I hate player comps. You know I hate player comps. <laughs> yeah, because no two players are ever the same. Right, it's weird. Like even when that you have a great player comp. And you're like, yep, this guy reminds me exactly of him. He's the same size mm-hmm. as him, tested the same as him. They have completely different careers. True. This is true. That's why I absolutely despise <laughs> player comps. I, I hate them. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll always bring it up if I just – because I don't look for a comp, but if I watch a player and see another player, I always bring it up. doesn't mean they're going right. to be the same guy, but I see Kirby Joseph. Okay. I don't know yeah. why. I feel like he plays the position like Kirby Joseph. Mm-hmm. It's just the long – safety that just kind of leaps up in the air and gets the ball. but And I, I don't know if I remember this much about Kirby Joseph. But he's got great hands. He's a very willing tackler. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's like the most aggressive tackler. I'm talking about Kalen Bullock, not Kirby. Right. But I'm, I'm done with Kirby. It was just who I saw. <laughs> but sure. the thing that I noticed about that was interesting to me about Kalen Bullock is, and tell me if you saw this, mm-hmm. it very much feels like he's he's outstanding at reading the quarterback. Right. it's so strange like when when he when you're seeing him cover somebody it's like he's not looking at the wide receiver at all and he's always he's like qB's fine he's reading right. the quarterback's movement and nice, eyes and that's how he makes a lot of his plays but then but here's also, the a question that i i still don't have the answer to mm-hmm. can can he read wide receivers can he recognize their routes and kind of anticipate where they're gonna go i don't know mm-hmm. it feels like he's always like he's Lock, but he's a safety. He's not a corner, so it's not the end of right. the world. I like him a lot. Don't get me wrong; he's guaranteed yeah. top three safety. Um mm-hmm. I think I still lean Tyler Newbin for some reason, but I, I honestly—well, like, I think that
0: they're two I different hit, players too, though. Hundred—they
1: are absolutely two different players. I, I think Newbin, Kitchens, and Bullock are easily the top three. I think they're all tied and they're all different. So depending right. on again, what team Bullock, you are, that depends on who your number one is. I don't exactly
0: know. because that's the thing. Like for example, we we're talking about this. Detroit wouldn't take Kalen Bullock because you know they they, got Kirby they've Joseph. already yeah and they got Kirby Joseph and they've got guys that are that style of player. Yeah, but Bullock has done. Right, Bullock has done a bunch of stuff in the slot, too, this year, which gives me that kind of thought of he's a safety that can play slot corner if you need him to more than a safety who's going to play a linebacker. Like, if he has positional versatility, it's between those 100%. two spots. Like, Newbin's the kind of guy that you could expect to come up and you know assist a little more in the thumping kind of run game type thing. Not that Bullock wouldn't, but like you said, he's a willing tackler, but he's not necessarily an aggressive tackler because dude, 6'3", 190. He's not going to throw like his weight him. around the same way. Oh yeah, I,
1: I I do I do like him a, a, quite a bit, and I think I like now that I've done a dive on him. Like even though I say I lean Newbin a little bit, um, I wouldn't be shocked or bad an eye if somebody made Bullock the number one safety in the draft and took sure. him.
0: Yeah, and again, depending on the, the the needs that the team has and where he would fit in there. So I'm gonna stay with a guy that uh, was a safety in my book, but now I've I've had to you know make him a cornerback just because everybody has and he's been playing there pretty well this season, and that's T.J. Tampa. Uh, the one bright spot, it seems like, on the Iowa State football team right now, uh, he's 6'2", 200, and I had him listed, I think because I saw some people put him over in the safety window, and he could certainly play that position, but he's played corner the whole season, and he's played it well, so there's no reason to feel like he's going to be a safety right away. He's another guy that could, down the road, be a safety, but at two, 200, that is a solid corner. That is a guy who is, in, as long as he can run with players, which he's shown he can, Uh, Is going to be someone that teams are going to love to have, matching up against those six foot four, six foot five inch wide receivers that are out there. Uh, Looking at him and and re kind of checking him out, I liked him before. I still like him because uh, he's he's a hard hitting guy. His form isn't perfect. He's not always going to wrap a guy. He's going to throw a shoulder, which is super annoying. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you just kind of put up with with certain guys these days and hope that they're going to coach it out of him uh, when he gets to the next level. But he's really good at reading the routes in the zone. I saw several plays where he was on one receiver, saw what was happening, shifted over to the other one that was, you know, like whether it was an end zone, he's at the front of the end zone, moves to the back of the end zone. So he has that ability to see what's going on. He reads the quarterback well, but he also doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't necessarily just – face guard guys you know he's really good at dipping under routes and getting his hand in there uh he's he's beating blocks when he's getting when guys are trying to block him for uh, wide receiver screens and and screens and things like that so he's shown that he's active he's a willing tackler he's going to go after people uh, and he's going to get his hands in there but he also has had only one penalty this season and that's a really good sign when he's when you're trying to find a player that's going to uh to be able to impact your defense across the board and not just lock down a receiver, not just come up and tackle. So he seems like he's a very complete player who, again, starts at safe, at, at corner and can transition to safety at some point if he wants to. So I don't know where he's at exactly on my list, but he's, he's pushing that top five point for me just because of his versatility and the fact that this corner class really seems like it's still trying to shake itself out.
1: Well, Dan, I have cheated. I don't know if we ever <laughs> said it on the air, but the, mm-hmm. the deal was we wouldn't do a dive. I wouldn't do a dive on one of your guys until you've done a dive on him, but in right. reality, I haven't cheated because you just said it first, but I did a dive on TJ Tampa too. But you did it first, so. <laughs> okay, good. It you does, didn't cheat does That Does it matter you if it's it the same episode? No, so, go for it, man. Let's go. Further proof that we don't share notes before the show. Nope. <laughs> so I, I guess I'll make this one just kind of quick. Um, I The notes I had, I wrote down, awesome tackler, question mm-hmm. mark. Get right. it? Right. Because I was like, love the motor, love the effort. This guy plays nasty. Love the aggressiveness. I was like, just wish he would, you know, hug, rap a little rap. more. Exactly, just rap a little more. Uh, but I did write, I see more safety than I see corner. Mm-hmm. So it's you brought it up. Corner move to safety. I don't know. I just I feel like this is a guy who maybe plays safety, but I tell you what, he can definitely play corner. The only reason why I said right. it, I feel like he's got, you know that. He's got solid speed, adequate speed, whatever you want to call it. He's not a burner by any means, but mm-hmm. he, he's he's fast he's enough. I, I love the ball skills. I love the way he tracks the ball down the field. I, I love um, his play recognition. The only, thing that, the only knocks I have on this guy is he doesn't – he's like, man, maybe it's because I was just watching Wiggins, and Wiggins just feels so <laughs> smooth. This guy just doesn't yeah. seem as fluid and smooth. He I will doesn't agree seem with that. like a natural corner. He doesn't have the natural balance. It's adequate. It's fine. I definitely think he could play corner. So maybe maybe you're more accurate with it. Maybe he starts at corner and ends up sliding to safety. I was just writing down like, man, if he, if he were safety, this is the last thing I wrote,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think he would be my number one safety, especially sure. if you can get him to wrap up.
0: Right, and that's the biggest thing for him from so, a tackling standpoint. The other piece there too, like you're saying, is like he definitely seems more choppy than fluid. Uh, but also, if there's a team that has like that does more zone coverage than man coverage, he'd be a great corner for you. I really feel mm-hmm. like that's more of where he excels, just from how the little bit of tape I was able to watch. So he could be a guy who they draft as a corner and then get shifted around potentially. But he so, looks like he's a a first second round guy.
1: If he if he's a if he's a corner, I will say this. He could, I could easily see him outside of Cooper DeJean being my Mm -hmm. favorite corner in this draft. Not necessarily the second or my second favorite. I'm saying so, but not necessarily the second best. But it'd be one of those where he might be a my guy. But when I rank him, I stick. I could see him around four or five. You know, because like I watch your guys like Lassiter and Newton. You know, I'm I'm watching them and. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like I like things about their game and what, and whatnot. Like, I got more excited when I watched TJ Tampa <laughs> than when I watched those guys. He's definitely so, like, more your style. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing, I'm just looking at my notes and I missed it. I wrote, doesn't seem to make mistakes. I think that would probably go in line with your one penalty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And by not mistakes, I meant like, you know, mental mistakes, not getting beat. Sure. Of course, he's going to get beat from time to time. But Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan. Well, I'm, I like T.J. Tampa.
0: Nice. I'm going to take us, uh, keep on defense, but take us in a different direction. Uh, and I wanted to do a little more of a look into Chris Jenkins, the University of Michigan big boy, senior. He's 6'3", 305. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I only got a few notes done on him because I felt like it was hard to find video on him because Michigan's defense hasn't been... I mean, they've been playing, but they haven't exactly been having to play much. And so he's only had like 20, 25 snaps a game, which is great from the standpoint of keeping him fresh and letting that defense just kind of roll and continue to do what they've been doing. But it also means there's not a ton of video. But the, the thing that I noticed about him is even when he does get blocked, he doesn't stay blocked for very long. He's not the guy who's just going to stand there once he gets blocked and sit there and just wait for something to happen. He's going to try to be aggressively getting off the blocks and trying to get after whether it's a ball carrier or a quarterback. I will note that looking just PFF, stuff like that, his numbers have kind of dipped again against better teams. And again, not dipped in the sense that they're bad. They're just still above average. They're just not eye-popping like they were earlier in the season against some of the the I would say lower competition, more or less. Uh, and so that is you know a slight amount of a concern, but I still think he's, he's in there, dude. He's probably still one of my top three guys because he's able to align in a couple different spots whether it's over the tackle or whether it's between the guards you know it's like he's he's able to shift a bit if you need him to at that size he's not gonna be a pass rusher he's not a guy you're gonna put out there and expect to go you know get a ton of sacks or anything but he has enough positional versatility to where he's not just a one technique he can go three he can go five he can bounce around a little bit but the the one thing that i find curious is because he hasn't had to play that many snaps can he play that many snaps
1: yeah i mean that's always an interesting debate i always bring that up with the georgia guys because they rotate everybody so much but they seem to transition to the nfl just fine so i guess as long as he gets the conditioning in in the off season i would say yeah um i'll chime in a little bit as you know as you asked me to because uh i did do a dive on him the only things that i had that you didn't really say and some of it you did a little bit but i think my strongest notes i had on him were We're along the lines that very strong hands, like lots of like strength move, like power move rather than like your your edge rusher like move. I don't see a lot of swims and spins or he, he doesn't seem like a technician with moves. He seems like it's all in his hands and his core, like the grip, like like he sheds blockers by throwing them off or moving them. You know what I mean? Not by a move. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it's it, to me it, I I see it and it was strange though because when I watch him play like I feel like at the combine at least speed-wise I get the vibe he's going to test very well compared to other defensive tackles but I just sure. don't feel like that athleticism shows up in his game. I feel like for his size and his position he's probably he looks like he's a good athlete but mm-hmm. he relies all on hand strength and power
0: which so isn't a bad I, I, thing for the longevity no. of a career of a defensive tackle he's not so he's not gonna be a mozzie Smith is what you're saying doing like some crazy you know jumping up the stairs kind of stuff
1: <laughs> probably not um, to, to put a bow on him though I mean look at it this way it's strange like Jerzon Newton's currently the number one tackle right right um, I could I could be persuaded to have Jenkins above Taylor mm mm-hmm. Um but Taylor just like Taylor flashes like this best D lineman in the class, guaranteed sure. at moments, and disappears at other moments. Like he's got consistency issues. I right. think Jenkins, you know, you need to see. He he needs to use his athleticism more and play more. And I feel like Newton's just a guy who's you know not the most athletic out either. One, he's the least athletic mm-hmm. maybe out of them. But he's got the most <laughs> versatility, the best moves, and he's out there, and he's being more consistent. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's another weird group. It's kind of like safety. I mean, Newton's kind of like my clear-cut number one in a way, but I also wouldn't be shocked if somebody went the other way.
0: Sure. And, again, it's all about the type of player. Uh, Leonard Taylor is a year younger than both of those boys, so that's one reason why some people might you know lean toward him and uh, and give him the benefit of we can turn this flash into a full-time thing, which is always a dangerous proposition when you're talking about yeah. players in the NFL. All right, I think it's about time to uh, take a little beer break, there, sir.
1: Well, pump the brakes, sir. I'm on a roll what? for cheating today. Oh, am cheese. Well, what are you I, going did, now? I did six dives, but I did four redives and only two no. new dives. So technically, right. I need to do one of my other ones right now, wouldn't you say? We'll
0: remix it then. Let's go.
1: Um, this one is. Are you nothing you can break by it? Can you? No. Oh, all right. I did a dive on Kalen King. Oh, okay. What do you got? Uh, Dude, I absolutely love this guy.
0: (laughs) Of course you do.
1: Dude, everything, like the physicality, talk about a nasty, willing tackler, a guy who's got excellent ball skills, goes up, creates turnover. Dude, this guy has got it all. I see some safety, but he can definitely play the corner. Um I I would I like his size he doesn't seem fast but play I think he's more quick than fast he's a twitchy type corner right Mm -hmm. um I I didn't I didn't see a ton of weaknesses at all in this game I mean like I actually was a really really big fan okay like I was like oh my god he's going to be cornerback number two behind Cooper (laughs) DeGene and he's not too far behind behind him but Mm -hmm. uh, but then guess what
0: what's that
1: Realized all the tape I was watching was from 2022. <laughs> then I watched 2020, th- then I watched 2023, and almost every single thing I just said went away. Yeah. So I have no idea. I'm am t- telling you, Dana. 2022, he might have. He his tape was incredible. Sure. Granted, yeah. most of most of his absolute best plays, sadly, all came up in the Central Michigan game. But I mean, dude, he's he's cutting routes, he's batting balls down, he's he's reading mm-hmm. the wide receiver routes, he's reading the quarterbacks, just a crazy aggressive, nasty tackler, like I said. Mm-hmm. Just very, very much like I don't know, like he seemed to have it all. I could see where his aggressiveness could, you know, maybe get him a couple flags sometimes, maybe. But sure. dude, he like I even saw one play, and now I got the years. Going both in my head, and I, for, I think it was last year. I'm not sure. It might have been this year. But one of the plays, like, he – I don't know. You know what? I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't need to do <laughs> want. Well, I, 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 I just want to know what your take is here because his 2022 tape is mm-hmm. incredible. Well, and that's why so people what do you were do putting him, him.
0: – yeah, well, that's why people were putting him up where they were when it came into the season, thinking he's going to be the best corner potentially come out of the class or right up there because he had such a great tape last year. His coverage grade was a 90.6 last year. It's a 52.8 this year. It's almost like he just decided he was going to walk in this season and everything was going to happen for him. And I don't know if that's how he's feeling. I'm not going to try to delve into the mind of Galen King. I don't know if they're using him oh. differently in some way. It doesn't feel like it, but his passer rating went from a 48 to an 88. His, uh, I want to say, his past breakups, he had nine last year. He's got one through ten games this year. It's just, it's almost like he's just going through the motions out there because he knows he's going to be an NFL draft pick and doesn't really care. Now, I'm not saying that's what it is because, again, I think every guy who sets foot out there cares and wants to do stuff. But just overall, this is a different player. It, I couldn't
1: agree anymore. The only true negative that I can say about him is, he doesn't lack that like ideal, super desirable length for like a top right. corner. You know what I mean? He's not your six-one range corner, two hundred yeah. pounds. He's just he's just not. I mean, he's probably like five ten, five eleven. Right. I don't even. Th- I don't. Th- I don't even think he's two hundred pounds. So no, he's not. Um, so that that's another like concern. I see some, and he some might safety in this game, but I also don't because sure. of how light he is. It is well, funny. He could because be more of a I-
0: slot corner guy.
1: I was trying to figure out some negatives on him because I knew you had dogged him a little bit and mm-hmm. I had seen why, cause, you know, because he's a completely different player in, sure. uh, in 2023. But I, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go do some research on him and see what other people are writing about him. And the first one I clicked on, I closed immediately. You know what it said?
0: <laughs> no it, Cornerback one. K- the King.
1: No, it was, I was looking for the negatives about him. That's what I was specifically sure. going out to see. What's negative? Right. What, what are other people seeing about him? And the first line was, Kalen King gets exposed by Marvin Harrison Jr. I was like, well, no kidding. And I yeah. just hit close. I'm like, okay, done. I'm just done
0: here. Who hasn't? No, he he did. Admittedly, he did have his, uh, his worst game was against Marvin Harrison. There's no doubt. And what that shows you is... Of course. Is, all right. Yeah. Marvin Harrison...
1: Exactly is ridiculously good right like come on like when you're talking Marvin Harrison's the clear-cut number one wide receiver and we just talked about one of the best wide receiver classes we've ever seen
0: exactly like and Marvin Harrison's 6-4 <laughs> it's not it's not a matchup for Kalen King it's probably that's one of the reasons three, why I but. say yeah, well okay but I, that's why I look at Kalen King maybe he is better suited to be a slot guy potentially that could be an area because in the slot you don't I think he absolutely have to, should be a slot guy yeah, because you don't have to run with guys the same way. Maybe it's uh, he's got an ability to do that. And again, this could be he is the 2022 guy, and he's just going through the motions in 2023, not trying as hard because he doesn't want to hurt himself, doesn't want to hurt his drive style. Who knows? Uh, that being said, that's still concerning for me that a guy's not giving 100% because he's you know worried about his future. I get it. I also am like a little – that would be something you want to talk to him about in the interviews, right? But So that's the big question. If he's 2022 Kalen King, he's – you know, right below Cooper, probably right. If he's twenty twenty three, mm-hmm. Kalen King, he's a fourth or fifth round draft pick.
1: I will say this: we've been going on about him quite a bit. I knew this is going to generate some some chatter yeah. here, but let's both do this. So we're currently right now. We haven't done deep dives on all the corners, but currently right, right. now, where does he rank though?
0: Well, again, which which Kalen King are we talking about?
1: I no, don't have him on my you know. top
0: six. I don't have him on my top six right now, not the way he's been playing this year.
1: No, I don't know. He what's probably in my top is six. for most. I people. just did my official dive, so it like
0: sure. off the cuff. Cooper DeGene's clearly cornerback one, but mm-hmm. but if you're if you're talking about that, then I I've got right now. I've got Josh Newton and Denzel Burke and Cooley McKinstry and Sebastian Castro and Chris Abrams Drain and Kamari Lasseter and TJ Tampa all ahead of him because I've always been playing this year. See, but I I Cooper DeGene's number one.
1: I think I still have Wiggins at two. I'm sure might- Wiggins as well. Yeah. I might default Kool-Aid because his athleticism's
0: crazy, and his name's At Kool-Aid.
1: three. But I also would probably tie Kalen King at three with Kool-Aid because it's twenty. 20- the way Kool-Aid's because athleticism's 2022. Sure. crazy good. The twenty twenty two tape for King's so good, and then yeah. I probably just so he could be in a top five, if you will, because most people do top five. So I'd have to put Tampa at five just because I like this game. Like I could, sure, I can see a world where Tampa jumps both of them, and then I just put like. Kool-Aid and King in the top five or six because I mm-hmm. know what their potential is. The ceiling's so high, but the floor could oh, be so sure. low. Oh, sure.
0: Yeah. Well, and we've seen both of those, and that's where it's fun. Uh, and that's why I'm very glad we aren't the ones trying to have to make those decisions. Maybe we'd be getting paid better, at the same time... I wish I was. Time. I would love to. <laughs> right. But yeah, so uh, that'll take us into the beer break, though, right now. Let's jump in. So I think we need a drink after that conversation. What have you been up to, sir? Uh,
1: well... You know, I'm going to look for my notes here. I should have had them up a little quicker, but All it's right, well then I'll not get necessarily into it. what I've been up to. It's what I have already done.
0: Okay, gotcha. Well, real quick, I was at Broadleaf again yesterday, which is a place I go and do a trivia thing with some friends, and so I had a few different beverages there. I had an Australian pale ale. I'm not sure if you've ever had okay. one of those. Boomerang Into the Void. Which is just a fun name, right? Because you got to tie Italian stereotype, but it was uh, I got like a three two five. Like it was, it was a solid beer. It had a, almost a little bit of tartness to it for an I like a, a pale ale style, which I really enjoy, enjoyed and appreciated. Again, it wasn't amazing, but it was solid. It Had Crypto Crystal, which was another cold IPA. Uh, that one was a little bit better as the three five. Uh, and again, the cold IPAs are the style that more and more people are going to cold IPAs. And the double hazies I'm seeing more and more of uh, as people are just kind of finding the different ways to, you know, make. And we're going to come up with something. There's going to be like a a, a triple distilled, a hot IPA. You know, banana. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's going to be all kinds of weird things that are going to be coming out. because Hazies are way better than colds to me. I'm not Agreed. huge on the Agreed. cold yet. This was a good cold. The Crypto Crystal from, uh, from Broadleaf, I gave it 3.5. It was a solid cold. Also had Subterranean Worlds, which was a brown ale, which was a bad idea to drink after the IPAs. It still tasted good. Still enjoyed it. Uh, as my, my buddy Chase said, was like, ooh, this is a nice one, which that was pretty much all you need to know about a beer like that. But I think drinking the IPAs with it in a flight just kind of threw off the flavor a little bit, so it took me a while to come around to it. But it was still a solid one. And then they had Space Base. Space Base is a Berliner Weiss-style sour. You would have hated it. I'm. Well, a, I'm a kidding you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have hated it you you would have been all right with it but you wouldn't have enjoyed it that much but that beer was good I really that was the last one whenever I do a flight like I taste all of them and then I start drinking the one that I like the least and, and then I finish with the one I like the best and this is the one I like the best out of that flight there so I, obviously I, do, more it the, I do it
1: the complete opposite because <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, one like li- best for last yeah but I like to enjoy the best at its finest when it's coldest.
0: Okay, well, again, we have different perspectives So I save the worst to so. warm up be like, yeah, you're not good. You deserve <laughs> See, part warm of that, up. Admittedly, part of that also is the style of beer. Like if it is an IPA or even a sour that I'm uh, now that lingering do. on, those I'll let sit a little bit longer just because they don't tend to go as uh, bad as fast. But I guess,
1: again, I do the opposite as you. So the darker <laughs> the beer, the longer I'll let it sit because what I notice is an IPA, If it, an IP, a warm IPA is awful. <laughs> but a uh, uh, like a warmer stout or porter is fun
0: okay it not bother me see? as much
1: like the lighter the beer the colder it needs to be to me
0: okay well and that's why it's fun that we have different flavor profiles when it comes don't out we know if may agree about a bunch of football players if there's anything sure. behind it to you it does
1: just in to my mind and my palate it's how things right. go
0: and that's and that's what matters bud because if you enjoy it that's the thing that makes a difference right uh, that being said let's jump into well I guess I'll do one of my dives right now since Whoa, you only got I don't two get to
1: do I don't get to do my beer oh taste.
0: fine go ahead get your beer in
1: uh, see you went to a brewery I went to a brewery as well I've been holding off on this one I've talked we you and I went there and we we did a you know covered some complexity uh, brews together but I went back and I had the rest of the menu if you will mm-hmm. so first one I had the bishop PB and J Porter Oh. I gave this a 3 two, five. I didn't mind it because most of these PB and J porters I get are very heavy on the J and less on the okay. PB. And the, what I really enjoyed about this one is it was lighter on the jelly flavor. There wasn't as much oh, nice. fruit in it, but also it was interesting. It didn't taste like peanut butter. It tasted more like peanuts. It had like oh, the okay. drier peanut vibe yeah, rather than slightly more edgy. Like, like the, yeah. An edgier peanut vibe rather than like the sweeter peanut butter-like mm-hmm. vibe. Because I was cracking a joke. It's like, this should be peanut and light jelly. That's border, what I'd say. Not peanut something about, butter.
0: Something about PJs, right? Do a pajama thing.
1: Yeah. So I enjoyed it. It was different. Different take on it. I also had the Hilligan's Harvest Al. Okay. So this was interesting. The first sip off this thing, is like, wow, this is really good. I enjoy this. Every sip after that got worse. Who's the Kalen King of beers? <laughs> it was the Kalen King of Beers. Nice. It got worse as I went. I still, for whatever reason, gave it a three. I think I was just kind of started off well. nice because it started so good, but it's probably not a three. I also had the Fluxtoberfest. um oh, ooh, okay. This was um it was solid. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Just seemed a little, I don't know, seemed a little th- thin. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I was going off from. It didn't feel thin. It just tasted thin. Like there, there gotcha. wasn't, the, there wasn't as much. It wasn't as complex as some of the other Oktoberfests mm-hmm. I've had. So I think there was just missing a few notes, if you will. Sure. Um, I had the Roo Dog Brown. Okay. Oh, that's fun. This root. Yeah, this is the opposite of Kay, if you watch Kayla and King's career backwards. This is the Roodog Dog Brown. <laughs> I yep. tasted this. And I was like, yeah. You know what I mean? I got it in one of the little tiny flights, right? Right, sure. True story. Even in the little cup. By the time I got to the bottom of that cup, I was like, this thing's, I think I was wrong. It is really good. <laughs> so I finished my flight, but I already had all their beers from when we had been there before. So I was like, man, what am I going to order now? I was like, dude, I think I'm going to order the Rue Dog. Sure. And the guy I was sitting there with, he was like, you said you didn't like it. I go, I didn't at first, but it got so much better. <laughs> And so I ordered it, and yeah, and the pint did the same thing. Like, every sip got better. I ended up having two of those in pints. It was really good. I, tried, I gave it a 375. And it was crazy nice. about it is is a brown ale. Sure. Like, brown ales are just kind of in the middle. Like, I usually all IPA or all porter, you know what I mean? Right. Um, not a lot of browns to pound the table for. So from a smaller micro distillery, like, they did a really, really good job on that one. Um, nice. I'll I'll fire through the last couple cuz I know I've been going on. I had who hassled the half? Who oh, hassled fun. the half? Yeah, so it's a, mm-hmm. a Hef-Wisen. Um, right. I gave it a 325. They did it really well, um, but I wasn't getting the, you know, I'm a sucker for the banana notes on the half. Mm-hmm. If they would have had a banana note on this, it would have been fantastic cuz like it still okay. got a 325 for me without my favorite part of a half. So um <laughs> I did joke with them a little bit about throwing a little banana in there and they'd be super happy. Um, Then the last two here are two versions of the same beer. I had the Squash Gobbler that we had last time, so we Mm already covered that. And then a Squash Gobbler Bourbon Barrel Edition.
0: Ooh. Um,
1: So both very, very good. I believe you had the the Squash Gobbler Bourbon Barrel here when you visited. Mm -hmm. As strange as it sounds, I think I, I like them about the same Mm -hmm. but they're completely different because i feel like you bourbon barrel age it and i love the bourbon barrel flavor but then i lost that like creamy like whipped cream smoothness from the the original one so right i don't know you lose something but you gain something and they're about even so they're they're different (laughs) i don't know what my preference is yet so to be determined both those were worth a try too but long story Mm -hmm. short i think the rue dog was my favorite one this time around i think last time we like the you'll shoot your eye out Right, the, which the was also eye, a good one. Rye.
0: yeah. So yeah. those are
1: probably my two favorite beers that Confluxity has, I think. Sorry for the long take.
0: No, you're good. And again, Confluxity, that's in Portland, so halfway kind of between Grand Rapids and Lansing. If you're ever on 96 and you want to stop and grab a beverage, that's a good spot to go. Not to mention, uh, across the street, they got the smoked meat. So you, you'll be in good shape. Yeah either way. But all right, dude, let's go and uh, get through these uh, these new dives. We've got some players to talk about that uh, we haven't gotten onto yet. Now, obviously, other people in other places have, but this is our time to do some takes. And you mentioned his name, so I'm going to start with this guy and this Kamari Lasseter. I haven't actually talked about him yet. So he's a six-foot, 180-pound junior playing at Georgia. And here's the thing about him. This dude, on tape at least, has got speed. He isn't necessarily, I'm not sure where he's going to test 40 times, but he's, he's fast, enough to stay with anybody that's that he's coming across so far this season and he's willing to uh to lay wood he's a very solid tackler he's willing to come up if he sees a screen dude's going to shoot out of a gun at the guy and so love to see that uh, he's able to stick on wide receivers pretty well when he's in coverage but the one thing i will say is most of the the tape that i watched on him i think i saw him get his head around once and so mm, the concern there he has a
1: red flag for me
0: it is a red flag but he only has one penalty, which means unlike you know, some other guys that get caught face guarding and, and you know running into whatever, he seems to even without looking back, seems to have a good enough awareness of where a receiver is to not put himself in position to get penalties, but it is a huge red flag and something he's going to have to work on is having that that trust that he knows where the, where the receiver is without having to look at him the whole time. So that is a, a big concern. Uh, but again, might've been because I was cherry picking whatever highlights I could find and I didn't see all of what he does. So I've got to go back and watch some other tape and kind of focus on him a little more on some of the games to see if I just caught a bad sample size or if this is habitual issue because there are corners that have that problem. They're just always watching the receiver. They don't see the quarterback. And so they're going to get caught, especially in the NFL, by back shoulder throws, by underthrown balls, and they'll just pick up flags. But the one thing along those lines as well, though, is uh, he does have the ability to you know fight off blocks. He can get sacks. So he's got a lot of versatility. He's not just a sit up there cover corner. So he's got, you can move around, and have some fun with. He played quite a bit in the slot last week in the last game. So he's got some versatility. He certainly has the ability to play corner at, at every spot. He is a very solid prospect. If he gets his head around more, he's gonna be cracking that top five. I can't put him there yet because I'm too concerned that he's gonna get caught napping by watching receivers in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting you say top five because man, like while there's not a ton of corners outside of Cooper DeGene that we like a lot, mm-hmm. there are a fair amount that we like all of a sudden. Right. You know, you got Cooper, you got Kool Aid, you got mm-hmm. You got Wiggins, you got King, you got Tampa, you got Newton, you got Lassiter. Right. I'll tell you this: Lassiter already.
0: Right. Since I was looking at both Lassiter and Tampa, here, here's what I was Lassiter is more of a corner than Tampa. And we talk about Tampa being a corner or a safety, but Lassiter's coverage, like the way he sticks to guys, even with without getting the penalties and not and you know, he just head around the way he sticks to guys is solid. That is translatable to the next level. The way he hits guys is translatable. Again. This dude figures out how to get his head around and still may, remain engaged with the receiver. Uh, he's going to be in pretty decent shape. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of his highlights were also poorly thrown balls that he you know, managed to keep a guy from catching. And that's one of the things that always annoys me whenever people put highlights together. It's like, no, just because a dude dances after a play that went in his favor doesn't mean it was actually a highlight. So that that's my, con, that's my complaint Fair. about people who cut highlight reels out there. But Kamari Lasseter so far. Uh, is trending in the right direction uh, as a corner. And we'll see. He's got some big games coming up. Uh, they got two ranked teams they are playing the last three. So we'll see how he finishes out.
1: Well, thanks for doing a dive on him because now i got him on my, you know, docket to do a there dive next week. So like I've been for waiting you. on him. I haven't done it yet. Uh, sure. First of my two dives that I'll do here. So a good thing you went first because you actually have three because I cheated hmm. up front. Um, I finally did a, an official dive on Adani, a.k.a. AD Mitchell. Aha. so naturally everybody knows good size this guy's like six four right right like gr- great size But well, here's the crazy thing he dude has got some versatility like mm-hmm. I mean he he seems like he can run all the routes. Heck, he was I, I watched games where he was doing end rounds and whatnot at six four right
0: that's so that's he, interesting
1: yeah so he he's got especially when you've got Xavier worthy who's like lightning in a bottle, On your team, and you're doing the end around with with Mitchell. So definitely some versatility there if the the coaches are going to go that way. Um, I I believe the first touchdown, I think it was his first. It doesn't matter. One of the first touchdowns he had. (laughs) Guess who it was on-ish? What Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. All right, yeah.
0: There you go.
1: Yep. So is it was well, it interesting because definitely Kool Aid's you know right in front of him. They're lined up. Kool Aid's running with him, but it looked to me like if he drifted inside, then the other defender was supposed to drift back. You know, and Kool Aid mm-hmm. stays on the outside. But at the end of the day, there was nobody else on the outside. So like <laughs> Kool Aid's just sitting out there by himself while he watched the Donai Mitchell cut in front of him get a TD. Because Kool-Aid mm-hmm. even tried to recover and get in there and did the tackle in the end zone-ish like thing. But could have been Kool-Aid's fault. 50% of it anyway. But so there you go. Because people love Kool-Aid. But seems right. th- dude, he seems to have some breakaway speed in him, too. And maybe that's why they use him on the end around. So a 6'4 sure. guy with some speed. Um, but then I wrote. After I watched him a little more, is maybe he doesn't have the breakaway speed. Maybe this guy's just way more quick than fast, or maybe he's okay. got great acceleration. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can have you know a- adequate speed, but if you get there quick, it looks like you're fast, and sure. you know a lot of times that works, and that's all you need. Um, but then you know what else I wrote? Maybe he doesn't have breakaway speed, and maybe he's not quick or fast. Maybe this guy's just a really good route runner. <laughs> so he like he had me like all over the place watching his tape sure. because, literally because like you're watching a 6-4 guy and you're thinking you're watching like a, an outside wide receiver like red zone threat jump ball guy and he right. does that but he does everything else too uh he tracks the ball extremely well he plays tough like uh especially through contacts he's got strong hands and he's been a td machine especially lately in the last like four weeks he's got like six touchdowns or something like that right um, I don't know, man. I I couldn't even begin to tell you. I'm not even gonna try to say where he ranks because we've already talked about how deep the wide receiver class is. Right. But this is get this is getting, it's getting silly now. Sure, mm-hmm. at least I'm excited that cornerback has shown shown that maybe there's some depth there, even if it's not top, you know, elite depth. But for a while, it just seemed like it was quarterback, wide receiver, and O line. It was all right. offense in this draft.
0: Um. <laughs> He's but another name to add if, to the offense.
1: Anything, yeah. So at least the corners come around. But going back to what I was, the point there was, now the wide receivers have just gotten even more crazy.
0: No, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So good luck, I
1: believe you when you when you go to watch some of his tape. And here's the crazy thing: Xavier Worthy was a guy I talked about last year. I talked about him all off season, super high on him. Mm-hmm. I th- and it may, maybe I'm sad now because he was like my little <laughs> small guy that I liked, but. Small-ish. I might like a I might like a Mitchell better. I don't know.
0: Not surprising. He's a bigger guy. You like the bigger guys. But he's a big kidding, guy He yeah. seems he can do it he's, all. Watch him. You looks, tell me. But worthy. He's look, just he's, he's lightning man. Right, he is. Yeah. And again, Mitchell's a different player, and so it works out well for for that team. Uh and I think both guys are gonna be, you know, up there in the selection uh, when we get to the, the draft. I'm gonna to go to that offensive line group that you're talking about and talk about a guy that I, I think we have talked about and we've we've sort of you know batted around and maybe talked about it a little bit but haven't really done a, a deep dive on, at least I don't think I have, and that's Kingsley Suamatiata, the 6'6 inch, 315-pound junior. Here's the thing. This is a guy who last season really kind of caught people's eyes and had a really good year when you look at the the blocking numbers and all that kind of stuff. This year, his pass blocking has been decent, his run blocking has not. And so this was supposed to be an offensive line that was really going to be a strength for BYU, and it hasn't been. Just to say it nicely, I mean, he's again, his pass blocking has been solid, his run blocking is below average, and that's a problem uh, when you're going to play tackle at the next level. Uh, He does seem like he's still—he's an athletic freak. This guy is rumored to run a four-eight potentially at six-six and three-fifteen. Again, that, that's a rumor. We obviously don't have those numbers. Uh, so he might hang around. He might be in the draft just because he has the athleticism and someone's going to feel like we can do something with it. But he's also only a true junior, so he could come back next year and try to refine some of this stuff. He's another guy that had a better season. He's not quite the the Kalen King level of you know good versus bad year to year, but he's a guy who had a better season last year. Um he hasn't, had, like, he hasn't had a ton of penalties. He hasn't had a bad season. But he also hasn't done anything to put him in the conversation, especially when we're talking about the, uh, the depth that we're looking at on the, uh, the offensive line. He's not doing the things you'd think you'd like to see to put a player in the conversation for one of those top even five tackle spots. Now, again, it's, it's just a work in progress for him. Last season, he was posting like a 75 overall. His pass blocking numbers are a tiny bit better, but his run blocking is just, it's almost like he's, I don't know what has happened to him from a run-blocking standpoint. Uh, he's also picked up three penalties, which isn't crazy, but also not amazing. This is also his first season at left tackle. So, again, there's a lot of, of, of things floating around. And so he could still end up in the draft because he is athletic, because he is a younger tackle. Uh, I don't know how it's working for BYU and the missions trip they make guys go on. Maybe he can get around it and not have to do that because you should see BYU guys coming out of 23-24. Uh, but, again, interesting prospect. Interesting prospect. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out next year instead of this year, especially with the depth of tackle.
1: Okay, well, at least I can put him on my list and maybe do a dive on now uh, in the future as well. Yeah, so jump in. He's, he's, on, he's been on my radar.
0: Uh, looking out for you. you know
1: what? I think maybe in a weird roundabout way, I'm gonna, I am going to am going to do three new dives, and I'll super cheat and do some. Oh, geez. Despite the show going long. <laughs> well, only because I was watching A.D. Mitchell, and I was kind of going through one of the games at dvr and I was like, man, I had... Mm-hmm. I have not done a dive on either of these interior D linemen for Texas either. So I'm just going all Texas today. But the problem is, is outside of what I had recorded, I couldn't find anything on uh, Byron Murphy II. So I wasn't going to do a dive on him, but I'm going to go ahead and throw him in. The main one I did find a bunch of stuff on outside of the games I had was Devondre Sweat.
0: Right. And the The reason
1: I'm just going to go, yep, I'm just going to go ahead and do them both at the same time. So I had... Naturally, because I only wrote notes down for Sweat, so Murphy will be more of a freestyle, if you will. But True. Sweat, I wrote, is very athletic for his size, plays mm. nasty, very active hands, great motor, great strength and footwork. Is, this is a nose tackle size guy who plays like right. a D tackle. And then I said mm. he's he's a fifth-year guy, but if you go in the last four years, you know, like in the last four years added together, he's had over 100 oh, tackles. Man. That's nice. A hundred tackles for like a almost three hundred and fifty pound guy. Like I right. know he's over three fifty. I think he's like sometimes some places. Yeah, that's that's wild. And he's like six four. So the tackle tackle wise, so he he's producing on the tackle wise. I, right, I, I love it. But the crazy thing is about watching Murphy. So Murphy's definitely your traditional D tackle. I think that's why they complement each other so well. Right. Um. Because he's like one, like 3.05 or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But the the wild thing is, though, is it it feels like sweat is generating way more production. And maybe it's just the tackles there. I'm not sure. But it seems like he's in there getting more hurries, getting more sacks and whatnot. And in reality, mm-hmm. he's just not. Other <laughs> well, stats, like, no, it's not like Murphy's way more productive. But sure. Murphy gets in the backfield more. Seems like he's creating the pressures. Uh, he's closed the deal on a couple more sacks. That's my dogs singing. They're they're chiming in. Yeah, yeah. They're
0: chiming in. Yeah, they like they Um, like these Texas boys. You taught them well. I guess so. So,
1: (laughs) so Murphy's he's kind of interesting because it seems like he plays pretty well. But what stood out to me, what I noticed without having any notes, like if I had to do a current comp with him, he kind of plays like Chris Jenkins. Okay, it seems like it's all like power moves and hand like upper body strength lower core strength moving people around rather than doing anything crazy and shifty it seems like he's Mm -hmm. more of just a bull rush straight line speed type d tackle guy throw you left or right and see what i can make happen and
0: you know Mm -hmm.
1: it's working but I, i it's kind of similar to jenkins i don't see a lot of the the moves, and I didn't see the same motor that I saw with Sweat. Sweat just, he seems mm-hmm. more exciting to watch. I don't know, maybe it's just because well, he's a fun really for him in that dude, and He's just getting right. in there and moving great. But he's not at the end of the there. day, these these guys are both going to get drafted. They both moved up my list. I don't think either one are cracking the top three. But I'll tell you what, if a team needs a nose tackle, Sweat's the number one guy in here. I mean, maybe not. Newton could probably play a little nose. So mm-hmm. if you need a nose tackle, sweat just became number two on my list, if that's your specific <laughs> need. So that just muddies the water even more about me, sure, saying, depending on the team. And he <laughs> those other three could go, maybe he could go, I right. don't know. So well, here's it's, it's I kind can of a double you. dive there. What you got? Yeah,
0: here's what I can tell you. You know how you you loathe PFF at times, right? There's, yeah. been, there's been over 400 uh, defensive tackles and interior guys that are listed as interior guys that have played at least 20% of the snaps this year. The top two guys, Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy II. Wait,
1: what? Hold on. That stat caught me. What does that mean? What would you say? So
0: the top two top two rated players at the defensive, like interior defensive line position, according to PFF this year, that have actually played enough snaps. Like, I don't, you don't want to do like a zero snap thing because guys had three snaps and played okay. well. This is 20% of the snaps, at least. Those are the top two players.
1: They're above Newton and Taylor and Jenkins and all those guys? Everybody. Wow. That I did not know. <laughs> Go, I don't man. hate, I don't hate it because, like I say, mm-hmm. I mean, I was watching Mitchell and then Sweat stood out to me, and I started watching Sweat, and then Murphy stood out, and I was like, these guys are mm-hmm. both great. Yeah. I like them a lot. I, I, don't know if I would go that far. I'll have to see as the season well, progresses, again,
0: but yeah. And we talked. I DFF is everything. Who do
1: they got higher <laughs> out of the two? Because Sweat, I was uh, to I, I like better.
0: Yeah, Sweat's a ninety-one like, okay. and Murphy's an eighty-nine though. It's like both of them are. Good. Well, you might have to do a dive
1: on both of them at some point too, because if PFF I and just I wanna, are both agree, then you
0: need to be the you need to be the, the terminator <laughs> record, right? right. Yeah. Uh, what I want to do is just stand next to the guy. I'm very curious to see how that would that would be hilarious for me.
1: That's interesting. I don't like that stat no. I like it and I hate it.
0: Anyway, you All just, right, look, go you ahead. You can accept when they get it right uh, for you. You can say like, "Finally, they're starting to catch on." But yeah. All right, so my last dive is a player that you have been absolutely hounding me to talk about and to look into, Ooh, and I can't believe I haven't nice. yet. It's Brennan Rice, yes, the wide receiver for the Southern Cal Trojans, the six foot three inch, two hundred and ten pound, fourth year player slash also son of the goat of Jerry Rice. Now, my God. here's the thing. This guy, Isaiah, you are huge on this player, and I, I finally got well, a chance Jerry, to watch and say, "My guy," but Jerry, yeah, I do right, exactly.
1: I naturally, I'm rooting for his son,
0: right? And well, here's what I can tell you so far: he's had he had two seasons at Colorado, and then left Colorado, not with the exodus. He left Colorado before uh, uh, Deion got there, but he's had the last two seasons at USC, and he has continued to get better every season. He's a fourth year guy, so he's definitely coming out. I like it, consistent we, progression. Right, and it's a deep wide receiver class that we talked about. So that is obviously something <laughs> Just that's, got even deeper. Exactly. he's He could be the 10th best wide receiver and still have an amazing NFL career. This is one of those years where it just seems like the way the talent's shaken out. And a lot of the guys that we've talked about are 6'3 and taller, which is just interesting to see that development as well. But I wrote down intriguing... Because here's the thing. This guy can take the top off a defense. He's not necessarily a burner, but he's fast enough to do that. But he also can work middle, underneath. There are drag routes they put him on. Basically, what I'm saying is he's a little chip off the old block when it comes to having a solid route tree. I don't know that he's quite the technician that Jerry was, because I don't think anybody ever will be. But he's shown an ability to not just be a go-run-for-it kind of guy. He's definitely somebody who can find ways to get open on more than just one type of route. Uh, The dude's got 10 touchdowns this year. And that right there is a sign, I mean, yes, USC has a more pass-happy offense, but that right there is a sign this guy finds ways to get into the end zone and can create mismatches in the red zone. He may not be the most prolific wide receiver. He actually is the third wide receiver on this team when you look at... Uh, numbers right now because he's got two five 175 seventy five pound guys. They just throw the ball to more often. But when you look at the the fact that his uh, ability to get first downs twenty seven of his thirty two catches have been for first downs. He forces a lot of missed tackles out there a lot. He, he forces a, a solid number of missed tackles out there. Uh, the other thing though that the only knock that I've got on him outside of the fact that he he's a solid player that isn't necessarily for me isn't wowing me in some of the ways like he's not Marvin Harrison but he's still a very solid player. His contested catch numbers were good the last couple seasons. They've been way down this year, and I'm not sure if that's just you know a weird variance in numbers or if there's something different that he's not doing as well this year because it seems like he has the ability to win one-on-one balls. He just hasn't been doing it this season, so I'm curious to see if that's just a weird anomaly or not. But I see why you like Brendan Rice. I see why you're high on him. He's definitely a solid guy who has the ability to be all over the formation even though he looks like traditional more of an outside receiver. Uh, but again where does he slot into this group that's a question just because other years he might be a top five guy and this year he might barely be a top 10 guy
1: well i guess to put a bow on it for me you know i i hate to do two players dives next week that you did this week but i've been itching no, you to don't. do dives on lasseter you and don't Rice. hate it at all so yeah, you don't I hate it at all <laughs> follow up both of the two of your dives this week next week
0: all right. We'll try not to cheat too much next time. Anything you want to wrap up with here today? Any other weird, random stats stand out to you from this week?
1: No, I'm just excited to do a dive on, on Rice and Lasseter, and I'm completely mind blown about the the uh, double Texas front that apparently P- PFF and I agree on. I don't know. Which again,
0: that's... crazy to think about.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. I did not. I had no idea. I would have bet my bank account that they were absolutely <laughs> obsessed with Newton and just he was where's mm-hmm. he at and that way where's Newton on that list
0: No, oh, hang on a second I changed all that stuff around man I don't know oh, all right well it. we can figure that out next time if you want oh, I, I got just you hang on uh well the funny thing you saw Newton on that list of, of players that we talked about again this is these are guys that have like draft eligibility for the next three seasons so I'm trying to get you know because some of the guys that have 2026 20, eligibility might come out this year just because of how wonky it is right now with all that he's hitting 12th right now
1: so he's Twelve? still
0: up there well, and again, you've got you've got some other guys that probably aren't going to be you know picked up. We haven't talked about Peyton's Droik from uh, Air Force, right? Uh, D'Amico Rowling, one of the guys I talked about, the big boy from Southern Miss is ahead of him. So, and again, this is PFF, which is why we don't just trust analytic numbers. We don't just trust the gut. We put everything together here because your gut and some of the numbers don't always agree, and we got to parse that stuff out. I still think Trezian Newton's the best one too. Because some of that stuff that doesn't come through in the numbers, you just see happen on the field, and you can just tell a guy has got it. Enters on Newton has got it, but so does Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy the second. I I think so, man. This is bad though, because maybe I'm seeing some D line
1: <laughs> depth and some cornerback depth. Is this suddenly becoming a better draft than I thought? But not on day one. It's just going to be an awesome day two of the draft.
0: Well, and that's going to be fun, and we will be there in Detroit for that, and we'll be for there round on day one, two. not
1: round two. Will we? Why not?
0: All I'm right. there. All right. We'll see all what right. your wife says. <laughs> it don't matter. All right. For right now, though, we're going to be here for uh, the rest of the season, trying to cut through all of these players. And next episode, we're going to be talking about, on the NFL side of things, we're going to be getting into the rookie of the year, the MVP for the rookie class for each team through the NFL. We'll catch you next time. Good